Hello. And welcome. That was a weird one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> this is a What If I Told You podcast, a show where we are still trying to tell the stories that other shows don't. Yeah, I've never heard a podcast do an episode on this case. Me either. And it's like a wild case, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm confused. Um, as always, we have like social media channels. Um, we have a TikTok, we <laughs> have an Instagram, and we also have an email. What if I told you podcast at gmail.com? That's probably going to make a sound and it's going to piss me off that I can't edit it out because yeah. I was talking. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the things and the stuff, you know what to do. Yeah. Follow, share, like, tell your friends. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, <sighs> That's acceptable to me. Yeah, it's Friday evening. Unfortunately, Madeline and I were not able to eat together. (sighs) No. But I had to get McDonald's because the kids got Happy Meals. Right. Should we turn this off? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it has no purpose being on. Yeah, it's like not hot in here. No. No. Please stand by. There we go. Perfect. I really enjoy, like, the clicks from the this fan in particular are very satisfying. Right, and you know that, that it, you've done what you needed to do. Exactly. Yeah. You know that it has clicked. Some ceiling fans, you just don't fucking know. That's, I mean, you're right. I don't even think the light bulb in my ceiling fan thing is operable i just don't care though yeah the lamp but i'm always like why isn't this turning on i'm like oh wait the light bulb (laughs) yeah and honestly the point of a ceiling fan in a bedroom is the fan not really the light i do not have any light fixtures such as this in my bedroom i have two like recess lights hmm it's kind of annoying recess lighting in a bedroom is odd. It's two, and it's not in the middle of the room. Hmm. It's very bothersome. Have you ever noticed that in our living room downstairs, there's absolutely no lighting? Yeah. That's super weird. I know. I think they just forgot. This house was built in, like, 75, so who knows? Who knows what they were doing in that room? Yeah. That they didn't need light. Maybe With- they were only in it from, like, sun up to sundown. Yeah, maybe that really was their salon. Yeah. And they hung out there during daylight hours only. That's it. There's no other explanation. Because (laughs) you can't possibly do anything else in that room if you don't have... Like, we have, obviously, the the big lamp. Yeah. But (laughs) you don't have lamps. It's just weird. It's just a dark room. It doesn't serve a purpose. It was very weird when we first moved in. We didn't, obviously didn't notice whenever we looked at the house before we bought it. Right. Because that... No one's checking. No one's checking. No. You just assume every light has, (laughs) every room has lights. Yeah. And then when we were moving in, I was like, yo, (laughs) there's fucking room that have any lights. (laughs) We're going to put our living room here? All right. Yeah. 
But it's such a cool room. I mean, and here I am with a living room that has a light, but it the light bulb's out and it does. I mean, I don't, I don't fuck with it. Yeah. It's all right. It's fine. It's We're more, doing just fine. It's more of a vibe in there with the lamp. Right. The lamp so. really sets the tone. Yes. Okay, so first things first, we have an update on the case of Unique Harris. This update came in while I was still in Europe. I think it came in like October 28th. And I discovered it when I got back and I was checking our email. Because I'll be honest with you, I did zero work things while I was in Europe. Anyway... The Google update was that Isaac Moyer of Washington, D.C. was officially indicted on one count of second-degree murder stemming from the 2010 disappearance of Unique Harris. And her body is still yet to be found, but the acting U.S. attorney, Channing D. Phillips, and Robert J. Conti, chief of Metropolitan Police Department, announced that the indictment was returned by a grand jury in the Superior Court of the District of Columbia. Moyer, who is detained, is scheduled to appear in court on the indictment November 16th. So we will keep an eye on this as it develops. That is in just a few days. Yeah. That'll uh, be the day after yes. this episode comes out. Yeah, so we're recording this Friday, and the following Tuesday is when um, Moye will appear in court. So we will update you the next time we record on the goings-on at his court date. Almost knocked shit off my desk. Real cool self. <laughs> oh, I forgot that I put this rant in here. <laughs> Uh, I obviously am Christmas shopping, as is everyone on the earth right now. And Amazon, obviously, is one of those places. And I have a real problem with Amazon right now. So, my niece, Charlotte, is five. Yes. She's currently in preschool. And she's four and a half. She's not five, but you know, whatever. So I, and when I was there for her birthday, she had a few little like medical toys. Yeah. And she, the whole time I was there for like four hours, the whole time she just kept like checking my reflex and like listening to my heartbeat with her little toy stethoscope. And those were like the only two things she had. So I was like, I'm going to get Charlotte a full like play doctor kit. Yeah. So, obviously, I get on Amazon because I don't have a ton of time to just, like, go. I have so many people to buy presents for. Amazon is so easy. Etsy is preferable, but it's usually more expensive. But I get on Amazon. I find a doctor kit. They have two colors. They have blue and they have pink, obviously, because apparently those are the only two colors you can buy for children now. Yeah. That annoying in, in and of itself. But that is not my problem. My problem is, is that the blue kit obviously is intended for a boy because when you click on the kit, it shows like on the little case, there's a cartoon boy and it says doctor. Yeah. And then you click on the pink one and it has a cartoon girl and it says nurse. (laughs) 
And I wrote a fucking review of this thing. Good. Like, <laughs> as soon as I know, I almost clicked to buy it because it came with, like, the lab coat and it's a full, like, briefcase and it has all these tools and yeah. it looked so cool. And at the last second before I, like, clicked buy now, I noticed that it said nurse and I was like, so I clicked on the blue one and I was like, what the fuck? And so I wrote a review, a review, and I titled the review, Why? And then in the body of it, I put, full disclosure, I did not buy this toy, but I need to know why the fuck. I didn't put fuck in there. I was like, I need to know why the blue one has a cartoon boy and says doctor, and the pink one has a cartoon girl and says nurse. Yeah. Why can't they both just say doctor? Let's forget about the colors and how arbitrary that is. Right. But why can't they just both say doctor? That's a good question. I was <laughs> incensed about this. Yeah. I was just like at my desk at work like. I'm sure other people have felt the same. I can't have been the only one to notice. Well, I mean... <sighs> Of course, there's nothing wrong with being a nurse. Nurses are out here day in and day out doing the Lord's work, taking care of people. Yeah. I dare say they do more work than a lot of doctors. However, the implication that a woman cannot be the doctor is wildly frustrating. Did you end up finding what you needed, though? Yes, I did. Okay. And that bitch said, doctor. Good. <laughs> Because if I'm going to encourage my girl to get a doctor kit, I want it to say fucking doctor. Right. And when Charlotte is older and she wants to be a doctor, I don't want her to be like, well, you know, I'm a girl, so I have to just be a nurse. <laughs> Bitch, go to medical school. There is probably just as many female doctors as there are male doctors. There really aren't. I feel like most places I'm ever at, there's female doctors all over the place. Yes. Um, if you look at the numbers through the American Medical Association, where you can look at, like, the percentage of male to female doctors for each, uh, like, section of medicine, the numbers are insane. They would make you sick. <laughs> like, 13% to 77%. Oh, damn. Male to female ratio. In some, like... Especially the more specialized, like, surgeon, neurosurgeon, cardiology, oncology. Yeah. The ones that are, like, the big doctors, it's skewed heavily male. Damn. Yes. I don't frequent that website, so <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, it's disgusting. And honestly, I've talked about this before, probably. It, I think it's, it's not because women cannot be doctors. Duh. It's because, especially, like, our age and older, girls are just not encouraged through their education to pursue science. Yeah. I was specifically told in high school, because I wanted to be a doctor. I do not have the constitution to be a doctor. Could I have gone to medical school? Yes. Could I have graduated and become a doctor? Yes. I am good at school. But... I am really squeamish. Yeah. I just could not do it. But in high school, 
I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And my biology teacher, I got an A in his class, by the way. Uh, I was having a conversation with him, and he asked me what I intended to do in college, and I said I wanted to go to KU, and I wanted to go to medical school. And he said, you know what? You're much better at history and English. You should go to law school. I was 15 years old. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And I did that, and I hated the idea of becoming a lawyer and dropped out of law school. I don't. And I'm, he, I'm glad you did. He was a man. Of course. Am I a much better writer than I am in science? Of course I am, but that is not the point. All right, so we don't have a Chip's Corner. What the fuck, Chip? Today we're talking about the murder of Brittany Clardy. You may be wondering who she is. Well, that's because <laughs> there's no other podcast that have done an episode about her. Yeah, if you don't live in the Minneapolis metropolitan area, you have no idea who she is. Right. So, Brittany was an 18-year-old from St. Paul, Minnesota. Her parents were Marquita and Alvin Clardy, and her mom, Marquita, worked in HR, and her dad, Alvin, worked in manufacturing. She also had three siblings. And her childhood and home life were pretty typical of a Midwestern family. There was no, like, instability or anything like that, and her parents were both really great. She was an excellent student and was particularly interested in chemistry, and she wanted to become a pharmacist. So this means medical school. How how weird is that, that I just had a whole <laughs> rant about doctors in medical school? <laughs> that was not planned, you guys. Yeah. And so Brittany was really, really smart. She also worked at the Northdale Rec Center as a youth coordinator, and she loved her job and was really great with the kids that she mentored. She also loved funky socks. I liked that this was part of the articles on her case. Yeah, I it, love that. That's very specific. That's a it, cool thing to love. Exactly. It's very specific and unique to her, and it kind of it makes me feel like I know Brittany a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. So she had, like, a massive collection of cool socks, and her mom would often just, like, pick her up a new pair while she was out, like, running errands if she saw any cool ones. Which is incredibly precious. Yeah. Her mom is, like, the shit, by the way. That's really cute. It is. Yeah. So, Brittany went missing on February 11th, 2013, and her family reported her missing that same day. Um, on February 13th, her car was towed from the Point of America Apartments in Brooklyn Park, and it was taken to Steve's Auto World in Columbia Heights. Now, her family was not actually made aware that her car was towed until eight days after this. So, I thought it was a really odd that... They filed the missing person report on the 11th, and then on the 13th, when her car was towed, there was no, like, red flag or anything. I mean, I'm guessing the apartment complex had it towed. Yeah. And so no police were involved. But, I mean, how often do, like, 
apartment personnel monitor like cars the, the shit that's going on in their parking lot well i saw a couple cars when we lived in olathe that were towed out of our parking lot now whether or not that was because of it, uh, the apartment itself i have no idea yeah but i did see it happen a couple times so i don't know I, maybe if someone's like hey there's this car that like hasn't moved in a while it's yeah bothering us it could yeah it could I have been a complaint like something like yeah that. um so, the search for Brittany actually lasted 10 days. Um, it seems like her missing person report was taken seriously from the jump. It's very hard to tell because all of the articles on this case are local media. Yeah. So, this isn't a case that had national coverage and literally every article on this is from somewhere in Minnesota. Yeah. So they didn't really specify police's initial interaction with the family. I think being local, they're probably more hesitant to do something like that. I don't know. Mm, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's... I mean, she was 18, so it seems, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. It feels weird. It feels weird, especially because we just did Johnny Gosh, and they he was 12, and the police were like, oh, sorry, we can't report him missing for so many hours. Right, right. But this is 2013, that was the 70s, or the 80s, like, my brain's all fucked up now. Anyway, so... They searched for her for 10 full days. And on February 21st, 2013, Brittany's body was discovered wrapped in a blanket in the backseat of her car. So the investigators found... I. This was a little convoluted in the way it was reported in the different sources. What I think is the case since her car was towed on the 13th and she wasn't discovered until the 21st is her car was in the impound lot and had begun to smell. And so police were called to the scene. The car was opened and her body was discovered. Now this is February in Minnesota so I'm guessing it's very cold. Yeah. So the odor thing, I don't I don't know how that works. It's definitely below freezing in Minnesota in February. Even during the day. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know, I don't know either. <laughs> that's that's weird. But maybe that many days being in the car protected it. I don't yeah. know, but I there was some sp- talk of the smell of the car. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would assume that there would be some sort of smell, but not like from a hundred yards away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know. Either way, her body was discovered on the 21st. And it was immediately clear that this was a homicide, of course. She was wrapped in a blanket. Duh. 
Um, she had also suffered blunt force trauma to her head. Um, most sources were pretty vague on the details of her cause of death, but, um, and I, there was no autopsy report that was made public that I could find. Um, but we don't need to go into unnecessary gratuitous details. No. She suffered blunt force trauma to her head and it was very clear that this was a homicide and police treated it as such. Thank God. Fucking finally. All right. Now the investigation. This is where some more information about Brittany's life comes out. As investigators were searching through, you know, her life for possible clues to a suspect, they made a discovery that would absolutely shock her family and friends. Of course, police started with Brittany's phone records. Naturally. They found that the last five calls she had received were from the same number, and this led them to their suspect, which we'll talk about more later. Yes. Now, we're going to look at the investigator's take, and then we will counter that with a response from her family, and they do differ in material ways. Yes. This is very important. Investigators discovered that Brittany had been engaging in sex work and listing her services on a website called Backpage.com. Anoka County Sheriff's Detectives Michael Latham and Tom Struzinski, who were both heavily involved in Brittany's case, say that they didn't find any indication that she had been trafficked. Now, they do acknowledge that her upbringing and background made this discovery pretty shocking, but that all the evidence they have seemed to point to Brittany choosing sex work. They go on to say that it appears that her motivations were likely money-driven and that there was no evidence that anyone else was profiting from her sex work. We're not really sure how they could possibly know this. Um, That's very, very specific. Of course, we don't know the particulars of sex work or how payment is exchanged, but we kind of assume that it's mostly cash. Uh, There's not like a... Maybe Venmo, but it was 2013, so it's definitely cash. Yeah, and if you Venmo, I mean, it's traceable. Right. This is an illegal industry, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and on her, the cash thing, if they're paying cash, there's no way that the police would be able to know. Right. If she was giving the cash she got from her clients to someone else. Yeah, exactly. The fuck. I really, I really need to know. I need to hear from fucking Michael and Tom. Mike and Tom. How did you figure out that she wasn't sharing her money? I... Please tell me. Did she write a note somewhere? Hey, please, I'm not sharing my money with anyone. Maybe. She clearly had to. Come on, Mike. What What's up? Okay, so now we're going to talk about uh, what Brittany's family has said about the situation. Now, we fully believe that Brittany's family knows her better than investigators and that their take is probably more correct. So 
When police told Brittany's family that she had ads for sex work listed on Backpage, they were clearly shocked. Brittany's mom, Marquita, said, quote, I was like, Brittany, doing what? No, no. That part hit me like a train. I just did. It just didn't make sense. Uh, Marquita was immediately sure that Brittany's boyfriend was involved with this sex work in some way. This man was in his 20s when he started dating Brittany, and she was just 17 when they started their relationship. So that's a big red flag right off the bat. Brittany met her boyfriend through mutual friends during a time when she had started to rebel a little. She was drinking, smoking pot, skimming school, blah, blah, blah. The typical things you're doing when you're 17. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I did all of those things as well. I didn't really ever skip school, but the all the other things I did. Yeah, there's, I mean, these aren't, like, bad, bad things. Yeah, these are... Most, not all, most teenagers go through this phase. Ex- yeah, it's a very typical phase. Yeah. Brittany's sister, Lakeisha Lee, suspects that she had a friend who was already engaging in sex work and pointed her to that path. But both Marquita and Lakeisha think that Brittany's boyfriend actually is the reason she stayed in the sex working industry. Um, Lakeisha said that he made Brittany feel wanted, which is typical as well. But after a while, he began to ask Brittany for things in return, monetary things. So she bought him Nike Jordans, she bought him weed, she bought him a new iPhone, and she bought herself an iPhone as well. And this is the phone that she, like, communicated with clients Mm -hmm. through. So as their relationship progressed, her family noticed that her boyfriend became more and more possessive of her. He even smashed her car window once when she was late to meet him, and he became obsessed with her whereabouts at all times. Okay. Lakeisha recalls a time where she heard Brittany talking to him on the phone, and they were arguing, and she could tell that he was pressuring Brittany about something, and she was crying. So, Marquita ended ended up begging Brittany to end the relationship, but Brittany was now 18 and told her mom that she was old enough to make her own decisions. Sounds exactly like something an 18-year-old would say. So when that didn't work, Marquita went to the boyfriend and begged him to leave her daughter alone and end the relationship. But again, she was not successful. He told her, quote, not to worry and that he was taking care of Brittany. I said, take care of her. We take care of her. She lives at home. See, it's this quote that makes me think that the boyfriend is absolutely involved in the sex work. Yeah. The line, he's taking care of her, sounds like pimp vernacular to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I don't understand why the police did not pick up on this. The instant I read that, I was like, oh, yes, dude's getting paid. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Lakeisha also stated that after Brittany went missing, she found her journal 
and found some very concerning entries that said things like that she was hurting her body and feeling disgusting about it. Clearly, she didn't want to be doing the sex work. So, to sum all of this up, Brittany's family definitely believed that she was pressured to engage and continue doing sex work. That much is clear to me. And that she was a a victim of sex trafficking through Backpage. Um, I think that's 100% right. And a fun fact about Backpage, Backpage as a whole has been linked to sex trafficking. And it was shut down in April of 2018. Mm-hmm. So a lot of allegations out there about Backpage. Honestly, we could do an entire episode on it. There's so much shit. Because I, in research, stumbled upon this. And I was like, oh, shit. We should include that. And then I started reading. I was like, oh, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's too much. But it's out there. That shit's crazy. Yeah. People... It's, I, I have aged out <laughs> of not what, necessarily what most traffickers are looking for. Um, but I'm suspicious of every fucking person that's around me in public. Absolutely. All at all times. All times. I'm like scanning using the force yeah. to let me know when evil is afoot. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. That you have to be that way in public. I know. I know. Can I catch a ride off this planet? I'm going to try my luck somewhere else. Please. <laughs> okay, so after everything that we just talked about, you would think that the number one suspect would be Brittany's boyfriend. Of course. It's always the spouse. It. I was about to say it should be. <laughs> Meaning, usually he is. should be the number one suspect. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and that could have been the case in the very beginning. We don't really know. But Backpage.com led police elsewhere. On February 11th, 2013, activity on her Backpage showed that Britney's services were solicited by a man named Alberto Palmer, who was 25 years old. And police arrested Palmer on March 6th, 2013, just a few weeks after the discovery of Brittany's remains. Palmer admitted to police that he had solicited Brittany for sex and brought her to his brother's house in a suburb of Minneapolis. After they had sex, Palmer attempted to take back the payment that he had made to Brittany and the struggle ensued. He eventually strangled her until she was unconscious and then used a hammer to bludgeon her. He then wrapped her body in a blanket, placed her in the back of her own car and parked it in the parking lot of an apartment building. A girl who lived in the house with Palmer's brother told police that the bedding used was from her bed and that she came home one afternoon to find Palmer cleaning up what he said was Kool-Aid. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm really glad this girl, like, spoke to police. But I 100% would know the difference if I walked into your home and saw you cleaning up what looked like Kool-Aid or human blood. 
wildly different. Like, one is very thin and almost clear with, like, a tint of color. Yeah. Blood does not look like fucking strawberry lemonade Kool-Aid. I'm sorry. No, it certainly doesn't. It does not look like a water-based substance. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's absurd. Um, I don't know what to say. Um, police searched the house, obviously, and found blood all over the carpet and the garage. Duh. Of course they... He, he hit her with a hammer. Of course there was blood everywhere. Of course. There's probably, like, splatters and shit. Oh, it, yes. Every fucking where. Ugh, this is not sitting right with the spicy McChicken I had for dinner. Nor the Nacho Bell Grande I had at Taco Bell. <laughs> we are super healthy. Uh, okay, so now we're going to talk about the tri- the charges. There isn't really a trial to talk about, but uh, we'll talk about the charges and the conviction. <laughs> so <laughs> that sounded like it hurt. It does. Perfect. Um, (laughs) So Palmer was charged with one count of second degree intentional murder. And this brought with it a possible 40 year prison sentence. So first of all, let's talk about this charge. Why the fuck were prosecutors not bringing first degree murder on this case? So first degree murder requires not only intent, but also premeditation. Second degree murder requires the intent, but not premeditation. So Palmer's confession of what transpired between him and Brittany after they had had sex seems to imply that he killed her in a rage over the exchange of money. This is what I am assuming caused the prosecutors to go with second-degree murder. However, I think we've had this discussion about premeditation before. If not, we will do so again. Um, Premeditation does not require a fully-fledged plan. You don't have to have thought about this for days before the act. Premeditation can be the work of a moment. Yes. It is not something that you have to have, well, a written plan of. Right. So it is just the conscious decision to kill that specific person before the killing occurs. So it could literally be seconds. So either it's BTK level stalking for weeks on end or it's made in the moment. So I think they could have gotten murder one on this case. I also feel that way. Um, so here's why. Ob- obviously, it's it's just he killed her intentionally. It sounds like first-degree murder. But I will make an argument for this because some people maybe don't think... Maybe they think of the rage element as yeah. knocking it down. However... He strangled her to unconsciousness, and then, after she was completely subdued, he could have just left. Right. But he went and retrieved a hammer 
and proceeded to hit her until she was deceased. Correct. So (laughs) the time between her being unconscious and him getting the hammer. That is a whole lot of premeditation. A whole lot of premeditation for me. So more than enough to Mm -hmm. argue murder one. Yep. So we could have gotten murder one, taken this to trial, and he could have gotten life in prison without the possibility of parole. Right. But this is not the course of action that they took. He eventually does plead guilty to her murder. So my guess is that in exchange for the guilty plea, first degree was taken off the table and we he was given second degree murder. Whatever. Uh, he was sentenced to 40 years in prison. This is clearly not enough. No, because he was only 25. He was only 25. And he's only going to serve two-thirds of that sentence. Mm-hmm. That's his... The, the minimum he will serve on the 40-year sentence is two-thirds, which is about 26.8 years. So, obviously, if he were to, like, have bad behavior, it could go the full term. But right. that almost never happens. No. So, if he were to get out after 26 years, he would only be 51. Yeah. That, you are still living life at 51. You're, you're super young at 51. Yeah. You can have an entire career and retire. Yeah, you can still, like, get married and have children at that age. If you're a man, yes. Yeah. (laughs) This dude could have an entire life. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Nope. But never fear, because (laughs) there is more. There is. So, Palmer actually... Did more than just kill Brittany. Are we surprised that Brittany was not his first victim? No. No. No way. This was a dude that choked a girl until she was unconscious and then bludgeoned her with a hammer. That doesn't seem very like, oh my fucking God, I just killed someone. No. No. That seems like, okay, I've subdued her. Now I need to kill her. Right. So after he had already pled guilty... Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) After he had already pled guilty to Brittany's murder, Palmer confessed to the murder of 24-year-old Clarissa Cook in Hennepin County, Minnesota. Palmer apparently agreed to make this admission in Hennepin County District Court directly after he pled to Brittany's murder in Anoka County Court. At least he's being honest? I guess... Maybe he's just like, fuck, I'm caught. Yeah, like, I might as well just get this out. Yeah, all the reports say he was, like, he showed absolutely zero reaction. No remorse, no nothing. Not surprising. Yeah, just deadpan all the way. Palmer met Clarissa on Backpage.com. I am shocked. In January of 2013, and he solicited her for sex, and they arranged to meet. He took her to his brother's house. His poor brother. Yeah, where is his brother? Now he has to sell his home and find a new one. Yeah, wh- yeah. It's, yeah. He's probably like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Get your own house. Yeah, take him somewhere else. What is happening? 
This is not funny. This is not funny. No. But I... Really? Weird. The, the brother situation is a, is legitimate. Yeah. That guy is a victim here, too. He absolutely is. So, he takes Clarissa to his brother's house. I don't even know if I'm saying her name right. Clarissa? That doesn't sound right. I think it's Clarissa. I think Clarissa as well. Okay. They had sex, and then afterwards, he attempted to take back the money he had paid her. Sounds familiar. An altercation ensued. He hit her and pushed her into a wall, and he told the court that the only reason he stopped hitting her was because his arm got tired. That is so fucking depraved. He also admitted that he intended to kill her during the robbery. This is the first degree murder. Some media sources also state that he hit Clarissa with a hammer also. After all this, Palmer wrapped up her body and put her in the trunk of her car. He drove the car to a nearby grocery store and left it there. Yep. Palmer was charged with first-degree murder and sentenced by Judge Marino to life in prison. For this charge, he would be eligible for parole after 30 years, minus the year and a half credit for time served. (laughs) Yeah. It really pisses me off that murderers get credit time served for, like, waiting. Yeah. I know. It's really, it, yeah. It really is kind of just a little, like, kick to the gut. Okay. So, now we're going to talk about this dual county deal happening. Now, uh, obviously, there are two counties involved here. Hennepin County and Anoka County. I think they're neighboring counties. I think they're kind of like the two counties that make up the Minneapolis St. Paul area. Yeah. Um so there was clearly a deal struck between these two counties, which does not happen typically. Mm-hmm. Um but obviously since Brittany and Clarissa were killed in different counties, these two counties decided to join together. And uh, he was still required to plead in front of each court separately, but their sentences were put together so that they could be served consecutively as opposed to concurrently. Good. So this means that Palmer will not actually be eligible for parole for almost 60 years. Good. Yes. So he'll be 85. Right. And he will not marrying and producing human beings probably at that age. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, So this could be some consolation for the fact that the prosecution did not seek murder one for Brittany's case. But I still think they should have and they could have gotten life in prison without any parole. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just missing the part where, because he was convicted of murder one for Clarice's case, because he admitted to, in like, he admitted to the premeditation essentially. Yeah. Why? Why would? Why would they not add without possibility of parole to his sentence, especially because he already demonstrated a history. Yeah. Of killing. 
and these cases were half-assly combined so that their sentences were consecutive. If they could pull that off, they could certainly have used right. both murders to say he needs life without parole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't understand legally what's going on here. Do we ever, though? I mean, I feel like most of the time I pretty <laughs> Not well like, do, get it. No, do we ever agree no. with these things? We We typically don't. We don't. It's never enough. We're just constantly prepared to be absolutely let down. Yeah, we're greedy bitches. We want we want more than this. Right. So. Like 200 years minimum. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that's too much to ask. I Absolutely not. If, because you know what? If he could live to be 200 years old, bitch should be doing it in prison. Right. That's what I'm saying. We don't know the full capacity of the human life, people. Let's guarantee the life. Let's guarantee it. For example, when I was working at the state court, I sentenced a guy to 411 years in prison. That's incredible. It should always be that way. Yeah. This guy was the absolute fucking worst. Well, and he got 411 years, so. He did. That was like the... That was the very first sentence in judgment I ever did after making the move from domestic to criminal. You're like, are you sure this is correct? Um, I was like, are you sure I'm only making $13 an hour? <laughs> I'm entering a life sentence. Does this seem to add up? No? Am I the only one? Okay. Great. <laughs> and I had to read all of the documents. Yeah. That in itself is... Yeah. There was children involved. We'll just say that. Mm -mm. Horrified. I was like 24 also. I didn't feel up to the task. You're like, I should not be here doing this. Is this a simulation? Yeah. I was like, am I, what is happening? Am I being punished? Am I in a dream? This is horrible. A nightmare. Yeah. And they had the victims come to the trial as well. No. But we all saw them. We all saw the two victims, and everyone in the office was just like, oh, God. Mm-mm. No, thank you. It was the worst. Hard pass. Yeah. Word to the wise. Don't work for the state court. That's where the horrible, horrible shit goes down. That was one of them. Anyway, back to our... Brittany and Clarissa cases. Um, We also want to make sure to note that Palmer, who was originally from Georgia, brutally raped and beat three women in Georgia before moving to Minnesota and murdering Clarissa and Brittany. So he is a serial offender. Yes. Uh, I couldn't find any information really about those other cases. Of course. If he was charged, if he was convicted what happened but he is a rapist and a murderer and he should be serving more than 60 years absolutely 411 411 years that's what this guy deserves yep so i think it's pretty clear how we feel about this (laughs) yeah (laughs) dude needs more time in prison everyone should agree with us period if you are listening to this and you're like I feel like 40 is probably enough. I don't even agree with the 60. 
you also deserve 411 years in prison. Yeah. Um, yeah. First question to that person. Why are you listening to our show? Please don't. Right. And um, maybe we'll have you arrested. <laughs> We're going to have you arrested. <laughs> we have that power. We do. Um, those of you listening who don't already know us personally, you just don't know what we're capable of. That's right. The connections we have, legit. Yeah. So. We're talking, you know, people high up there. High up there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so before we wrap up, we want to make sure to bring attention to the amazing work that Brittany's family has been doing since her murder. Her mom started her journey to help others after she started finding Brittany's socks in the laundry. Fuck, that's sad. That's so sad. So this inspired her to put together baskets of toiletries for area shelters, and she would include a pair of funky socks in each basket in honor of Brittany. That's amazing. I can't. I can't. In August of 2017, a St. Paul shelter for sex trafficking victims was built, and they asked Marquita, Brittany's mom, if they could name it after Brittany, and it is now called Brittany's Place. Marquita, Lakeisha, and Marquita's sister, so Brittany's aunt, all volunteer at Brittany's Place. And in our source links, you're going to find all of this stuff. Um, if you can and, uh, want to, you can donate money or you can, you know, volunteer. You can also just do things like sharing the website, just bringing more people to that. And for us, since we live in the Casey Metro area and would like to know some things that you can do for victims of sex trafficking, we're going to have these in our sources as well but there is the restoration house of greater kc rended heart and then christine's place which is located at quincy and independence avenue there was not a phone number or website that i could find for christine's place Mm -hmm. but i think it's kind of a walk-in situation so And then there's also Veronica's voice, and you can contact the administration office at 816-483-7101, or you can email them admin at veronicasvoice.org to report sex trafficking anywhere in the United States. You can contact the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-373-373. 7888 or you can text the word help h e l p to 233733 and like i said all of this will be available it's a lot easier to click links and see things rather than to remember numbers that we're saying out loud so yeah yeah it is um so yeah that's uh that's it. That's it. I just literally like lost my full train of thought. It's okay. It happens. Ugh. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And a lot of people don't really take like human trafficking or sex trafficking very seriously. 
Yeah. They often, like, make fun of people who are like, I felt really weird around this person at Walmart today. Like, I think they were following me. If you feel weird or you see something that doesn't sound or seem right, and you're like, well, I don't want to call the sex trafficking hotline. I mean, at least call your local police. Yeah. That's really all you need to do because shit happens everywhere. That's exactly right. To all ages of people. That's exactly right. A hundred percent. And honestly, especially if you're a woman, you could probably think back to times where you've had something weird happen to you. Yeah. Like, like Lauren at Party City or I had a man approach me in Starbucks and try to get me to go somewhere with him. Yeah. And I was just like, no. Remember that dude at work taking pictures of me through the window? Yeah. And I was like, excuse the fuck out of me. What are you doing? And he goes, uh, uh, nothing. And we worked in the police station. Yes. They're everywhere. There are weirdos fucking everywhere. That's exactly right. I mean, for real. Essentially, just if people approach you and they're even the least bit suspicious, just be a super dick to them. Yeah, just be on guard. Turn on your RBF. Pull out your phone and immediately start making a call. Yeah, or pretend like you're on or, the phone. Yeah, exactly. Like, when the guy approached me in Starbucks, now, of course, this guy could have been normal. He could have absolutely had... It was very weird, though. He never asked for my name, and he said... He sat down next to me. I was reading. Oh, God. And he sat down next to me, asked me if I was from around there, asked me if I went to school around there, and asked me if I wanted to go get dinner with him and his friends. He was alone. Uh, there was, he was with no one else. So this Starbucks is the one in Lee Summit on 291. Yeah. I frequented there. And so the baristas knew me. Mm -hmm. And one of the baristas, his name was Matt. He was an amazing person. And he was standing there looking at me. Yeah. And then this guy, and I was just like, no, I don't want to go anywhere with you. And he's like, oh, okay, well, we're just, you know, we're going to go grab some dinner. I was like, okay, great. Yeah. And then I was like, my brother's going to be here in, like, five minutes. I was meeting my brother there. Mm-hmm. But he immediately got up and left. Literally walked out of Starbucks and left. That's a red flag. Didn't have a drink. That guy wanted to kidnap me, you guys. 100%. <laughs> At the Starbucks. Thank God. I'm a real asshole most of the time. Well, it does pay off. It really does. People usually keep a wide berth when your face, it looks like mine. I can, uh, yeah, I feel that. It's a good thing. Yeah, I'm really thankful for it. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so, anyway, some, but I always just feel so bad for Lauren because she does not have the face that repels people. Mm-hmm. Something about Lauren draws people to her. <laughs> she has this weird energy that I, and, and it draws the weirds to her too. 
like <laughs> it's it sucks. She she sends me texts more often about people like randomly sending her Facebook messages trying to be like her sugar daddy and all Hell kinds of yeah. shit. Her old high school principal. The fuck? Anyway, <laughs> she's constantly sending me text messages like this person will not leave me. They keep sending me messages, and I keep telling them to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I didn't, you're never being mean enough, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they see your face, and it's so precious, and they just think, oh, she doesn't mean it. <laughs> it's okay, Lauren. <sighs> this is why she is, like, this is why, the, like, the only time she, like, gets out and does anything is, like, with me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Poor girl. I know. It sucks. Leave her alone, people. If you're out there. Just leave Lauren alone. Please stop approaching Lauren. (laughs) All Um, right. Haley and Ariel, we uh, fucking love you. Hell yeah. And that's literally the show. That's the show. And thank you and good night. (laughs) I can never remember what that's from. Uh, <laughs> anyway, please be kind. And don't stay weird. <laughs> Definitely stay as weird as possible. Just not like get not, in my car right now weird. Not too weird. Weird enough. Weird enough. <laughs> weird enough to repel, but not weird enough to want to snatch people. There's a fine line, people. The complete opposite. Yeah, you should know what the line is. Be the weird that we are not talking about today. Yeah. 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 All right, great. All right. Great. Goodbye.